Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Well, hi, everybody. This is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome back to another edition of Marnie's Friends. We're going to be talking about quantum communication today. And we have a wonderful guest. She was a co-presenter of mine at Motivation Marathon. And she is an award-winning film producer, international speaker, and high-performance trainer. Her name is Pina Rosa, and she's been leading live workshops, teleclasses, and webinars for 10 years. She speaks five languages, including English, French, Italian, Spanish, and German holds four passports, has been nominated for the 2010 and 2011 Los Angeles Business Journal Woman Making a Difference Award. Her passion for communication, travel, and world culture has translated into her travels to almost 40 countries, and now she lives in Los Angeles. Besides being a keynote speaker for international women empowerment organizations, Pina has also coached and trained thousands of people worldwide from Los Angeles to London, from Sydney to Hong Kong, from Auckland to Kilimanjaro with always the same commitment and results, empowering each client to live their fullest potential, delivering fast and lasting release of those internal blocks, fears, self-doubt that make it in the way of us taking action and experiencing the quality of life that we want. So now we are going to get ready to uh, learn some effortless results through quantum communication with Pina DeRosa. Welcome to you, Pina. Thank you, Marnie. Thank you so much. It's great to be here and great to be sharing with your listeners. Well, I had the wonderful opportunity of listening to uh, part of this training, at least, at the Motivation Marathon, and I was so inspired personally. I thought, I've got to bring you on the air and let mm. everybody uh, hear this. Is it, first of all, I think I think because of your background, um, and I'm going to let you share a little bit about how you came to know five languages and different things like that. But Mm. you have a very unique perspective on communication, and it's not just your average everyday, you know, say it it more clearly type of approach. So why don't you start start with a, a little bit of your background in what led you to becoming a communication expert? Ah, uh, wow. Well, I was born in Italy and raised uh, a few years later, raised in the French-speaking part of Switzerland. And so for us, you know, especially as you live in Switzerland, it's such a small country that, you know, you go grocery shopping and it's a different country already, 20 minutes and you're in France or, you know, like a couple of hours and you're in Italy. So everything is so close and it's so uh, open, you know, the, the the borders and so on. So I've always been fascinated with the different languages, and every time that I've traveled, it's now been actually over 40 countries because in the last couple of weeks I added three more. Um, and it's fascinating to me to go into, you know, the supermarkets or the post offices and see what do people eat and and, and, and how, you know, they wash their clothes or what is it that they use for stamps and so just traveling alone, I think, has opened up my mind to 
levels of communication that go beyond just language. And then when I moved to America and I was 18, so 22 years ago now, I spent more time in America than than in Europe, um, because my English was, at the time, I think it was my third or fourth language, so it wasn't quite as good as it is right now, I was struggling I was making, let's put it this way, I was, I was putting more effort into getting myself understood. And oftentimes, because we're all speaking English, we think we're communicating. But then what happens is things get lost in translation. So growing up with the different languages, with the travel, and then having, you know, the cultural gap here in America, I've always been very, um, I guess, fascinated and attentive uh, to what is being said and how is it being heard and and then I discovered quantum communication, and that was like, wow, that is fascinating. People need to know this because it impacts all those messages that sometimes get lost in translation. <laughs> you know, the effect of yeah. our own results in our business and our personal lives. Um, and then, you know, all of us in our family, you know, my brother speaks three languages, my sister speaks five, my dad speaks seven. So languages and communication, wow. it's, it's just kind of like, you know, I was in Switzerland actually last week. Uh, my little niece was born, and so I went home to to visit. And uh, I took a little movie at the supermarket there, and you can see everything is in four languages. Whether it's a pack of sugar, a gallon of milk, or you should have a liter of milk because you have different measures there. Or you know, even if you're just purchasing gasoline at the pump, everything's always in four languages um, because it's huh. one. we have four national languages. So we kind of bombarded with it as a kid, and then as an adult. It, something that we're really, really grateful for. Then we can communicate um, that much, with that many more people, I think, when you have that level of access. Uh, at least huh. for me, I, I feel it's, it's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Dana, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt our flow here just a little bit because we've got a little technical thing going on with your phone. It's fading in and out. Um, is it? Do you think that it's the phone line that you're calling in on or is it a position that you're changing maybe? <laughs> um, no, I'm, it might be maybe just the volume. Is this a better volume? I can hear you now. It seems like it's fading in and out a bit, and I want to make sure everybody can hear everything. So um, I tell you what, if if it's a problem again, I'll just interrupt you and stop you. But let's yeah. just assume that it's going to be better. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things that you talked about when uh, I was listening to you before, and I wanted you to share about that today, was the four representational systems yeah. uh, and what are some of their characteristics. So for someone who's not even aware of this at all, go ahead and start at the beginning and, and kind of build it up for us. Yeah, sure. Um, one of my favorite quotes, Marna, is communication is the access to all progress. And I believe it's communication with others, but also communication with ourselves. And um, one of the specialties uh, that I, you know, dove into since uh, actually starting some psychology back in college 20, some 20 years ago is, uh, is the effectiveness of how can we communicate with ourselves, the neurolinguistics programming and NLP. And I'm really fascinated by understanding more how the brain operates such that we can learn how to utilize its power and take our communication and therefore our results to the next level. So if as a listener out there you're interested in understanding how the brain works, how it operates, and then being able to take our communication and our results to the next level, uh, then you might want to take up some notes and, and just listen up because the representational system, once I learned it, just opened up so much. 
So there's four main um, information processing styles, and, and it's pretty much how the brain uh, processes reality. Now, whether reality exists or not, I guess it's a different interview or a different seminar, but just how we process the experiences that come at us um, through the brain. And those four representational systems or four modalities are visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and auditory digital. And I'll go into each one of them and how you can figure out what they are and how people respond in them and how we can be that much more effective. But the way you want to listen to this conversation out there is kind of like a right-hand, left-hand conversation. You know, we have both, but there is one that's our primary one. If, like, my sunglasses were to drop to the ground right now, I would pick them up with my right hand because my primary is the right hand, even though the left one's still there. So with the full representational system, you will recognize as I define each one that you'll have kind of like right hand, left hand, you'll have all of them, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, aha, uh -huh, I do that, and, and the auditory, digital. But there's one that's your primary one, one that's your automatic one. And that's what happens in our sales, in our uh, conversations you know, with our families or our websites and marketing meetings and so on. We're predominantly using that one, which then leaves out the other three and sometimes if it's in sales, we end up leaving then 75% of our sales possibly on the table. And if it's in, you know, our personal partnerships, we may be really, really effective with one person or one group of people and then not understanding why that in that same conversation we weren't effective maybe, you know, with Cousin Susie or with Uncle Joe uh, because maybe they were in the other three and we kept addressing the situation from our main one, our primary one. So these are referred to as modalities or representational systems, and they're basically just ways that we represent the world through our five senses. And when our information, when actually information reaches our brains, we give meaning to it, and we form a subjective experience of the world. And so this is our representation and our perception. And as I'm going to go into them, you'll find out uh, although we use all of the representational system, we tend to have a preference, just like there's people who prefer certain types of food or, you know, right hand, left hand, like I gave you the analogy before. Now, the interesting thing before I give you each one, and then we'll, we'll pause and see, you know, what questions you might have about each one and how to figure out which one we are and so on. The interesting thing is to, to know that the statistics suggest that in a developed country, around 60% of people are predominantly visual with about 20% auditory, 20% kinesthetic, and a very, very minor, minor part being a de-auditory digital. So it's worth bearing the statistics in mind when creating advertising material, marketing websites, and so on, um, because the representational system that we use uh, predominantly is our own special language of our experience of the world. And it will embrace all of the mental processes of thinking, remembering, uh, imagining, uh, consciousness, perception. So by understanding them more clearly, it will allow us automatically, you know, by the top of the hour that we have together, to communicate better not only with ourselves but also with others and then control the way that we interpret things and the outcome of maybe some certain things that might have gotten lost in translation before. You know, we were at the effect of a consequence not even knowing how we got there. This will give you the tools and the know-how and, and the clarity to get to the source of it and then being able to reach 100% instead of just that 25% because maybe that's the one of the four that we're in, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and one of the things that you've done, too, is you've provided for us a, a test. It's actually yes. a, a representation system test, and you can find that at marniesfriends.com, marniesfriends.com. And you can download that, and as we go through, if you're looking at that, too, I'm, I'm jotting my notes on that piece of paper um, yes. that I printed out so that I can have it all together afterwards. So is the next step, yes. and I hope that you're going to teach us a little bit about what yes. each of these is. Okay, good, because I'm so yeah, curious yeah, yeah. that, like, the real definitions of, um, you know, the distinction between auditory, auditory, digital, things like that. Yeah, sure. And actually, that test that I provided that you guys can um, download at uh, Marnie's Friends, it's, it's a PDF. Um, it's a test that you cannot fail, so it's not anything that you can get right or wrong. <laughs> it's just an assessment. <laughs> you know, nobody's going to check on you or get graded. But it's an assessment for you to see as I go through each one um, and describe it, and you'll think, oh, yeah, I do that, oh, yeah, I do that, and then you'll think you'll you'll have all four equally. That one is designed to really um, put in the order which one is your primary one and then which one is number two, number three, number four, so that you can see, especially if you're in business or in a, in a you know, in a per- interpersonal interaction, which is the one that you're predominantly automatically going go towards and then starting to be aware of the other three as well because then your companion on the other side might be one of the other three and therefore you want to be able to expand to it you know it's um there is a sense that it's just um how we can communicate that much more effectively not just how we think we were being effective but kind of like i was traveling to china a couple of years back and I learned a few words of Chinese or, you know, recently I was in different countries around the world. And actually, with all the languages that I speak, what I find is that um, the commonality at first comes in listening and hearing the language, and then we can speak it. So that's why I'm going to describe to you each one of the four so you can listen the different um, variations and find yourself in it and then being able to describe the other ones so then you can go out and practice and have fun with it, and the test will give you a reaffirmation of one way or the other, which one might be your primary one and which are the three you want to practice. So the visual, uh, auditory, kinesthetic, and auditory digital is going to be really, really easy. The visual folks, uh, about 60% of uh, people who communicate, communicate visually, they tend to do things more quickly, whether it be moving or speaking. Um, it's been said, you know, a picture says a thousand words. And so they're describing in words the images which are flying through their mind. Now, they may speak in a higher pitch, and they tend to sit more straight, like on the edge of their seat with their eyes up. And generally, when they, when you can see them and we can watch them breathe, they breathe more shallowly from the top of their lungs versus, for example, the kinesthetic folks that will breathe more towards their diaphragm. Um, when they use their hands, because a lot of us use our hands when we speak, the visual folks use gestures a lot which tend to be near head height, like so around the, the eye level. And so if you have an Italian visual person or an Italian kinesthetic, you'll notice that because, you know, us Italians tend to speak with our hands so I can kind of generalize because I'm one of them, <laughs> um, then you'll notice that the visual folks use our hands a little bit further up towards the head, and then the kinesthetic, for example, will be using their hands a little bit uh, lower towards the belly. Um, the visual folks, another uh, characteristic that you can find out 
you know, to see if you're a predominantly visual communicator is generally as a person we're very neat, organized, well-groomed. Uh, our appearance is really, really important. Things need to look right. Visual folks will write emails with bullets and arrows and, you know, they'll send their little text messages with little emoticons. It's really important to have things that are visually beautifully put together. And they find it difficult to remember verbal instructions because their minds tend to wonder and they tend to see pictures versus hearing instructions. The auditory folks, which we're going to go into in a second, it'll be much easier for them to hear step-by-step instructions and then repeat them to you word for word. So um, the visual folks, for them, it, you know, like I have a very photographic memory, and I felt like when I was in high school a few years um in, in a row when I was almost photographing, I remember my English textbook, specific words with huh. my mind. And then I felt like during the test I was almost cheating because I remembered the page. And so <laughs> it's like the vocabulary would just pop up. As a visual person, if somebody says, hey, are you free Friday at 3, it's very likely that an imaginary calendar will pop up on the screen of our mind and we'll be able to see, yeah, I can do Friday at 3. Oh, hold on a second. I think I have a conference call. Can we do 2 3.30? So they'll they'll be able to see the details of, of their day and of their life. And they're less distracted by noise. Um, they are. They use visual words and expressions like, "Oh, I see what you mean," or "I get the picture," or "Yeah, that's clear to me," or it's, "Or oh, it looks good." So, if they see a house, for example, that they want to purchase, um, and this is important if you're, for example, a real estate out there or marketing and so on, they'll use things like, "Yeah, that looks good. We should do it. We should sign it," or you know, they might be more specific about, "Wow, you know, the view from here is fantastic. It's just." not only they'll be interested in visual things, but they'll speak it with those particular predicates, like imagine this or clear or view, or they'll use things like a mental picture or um, it looks like or in view of or take a peek or tunnel vision. These are all English words, of course, but the visual communicators will tend to Use door use those more often, like clear as day or clearly defined. I have a dim view or get an eyeful. So these are all <laughs> predicates that the visual folks will tend to use. Uh, and physically, they tend to be often um, slender um, and wiry, and their hands will reflect this too with long, slender fingers. Uh, the handwriting of visual people uh, will also likely have more sharp points. Um, and be written quickly. You know, visual people talk really, really at a much faster pace. How's the volume, by the way? Huh. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's sounding good. Okay, now. okay good, good, good. Um, so those are the visual. Any any thoughts or do you find yourself in there or any questions or clarifications you want to ask? I think it's so amazing that when a person is a visual person that they even speak that out of their mouth. You know, yeah. I've done so much study with the personality types and the love mm-hmm. languages and different things. This mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. along those lines, except on a whole different, you know, whole different part of us. It just um, like a like a bouquet of flowers, you know, with all the different aspects of each flower uh, becoming beautiful. It's just so cool to hear this defined out and spelled out like this. Well, let's go ahead and, and think about the auditory a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, as you're saying it, what I'm getting as an image is very holographic. You know, it's kind of like inside the inside the inside. You start seeing, you know, even through the love languages or sort of through the different archetypes, yeah. how people, whether men or women, can be visual or not. So the auditory folks, they're people who predominantly um, they they'll do things more rhythmically. You know, their voice tends to be mid-range. They talk to themselves sometimes, either internally or externally. They may even move their lips when they're reading. You've seen people do that. Um, they breathe from the middle of their chest, so their breath is a little bit lower than the visual folks. And they use some hand gestures, but not extensively. They can repeat instructions to you back really easily, um, although they are distracted by noise. So it's hard for them, for example, to tune out a radio or a TV if they're having a conversation with you. Um, they love to have long chats on the phone. Your auditory friends are the ones that, you know, you could drive home with them and they'll talk to you for the whole two-hour drive home um, versus people who are not so auditory. They're like, I'll talk to you when I get home. Um, men or women alike. The auditory thinkers often tilt their head to one side in a conversation as if they're lending an ear or as if they're on the telephone. And actually lending an ear is an expression that they like to use often <laughs> as well. You know, and that, yes, of course. And they'll memorize things in steps or sequence. They like to be told things uh, and hear feedback in conversation. They tend to use auditory predicates. Um, for example, that rings a bell or that clicks or that sounds good. Uh, and they're interested in what you have to say. You know, they can be really excellent listeners. They enjoy music, the spoken voice. Um, their handwriting is interesting because their handwriting is between the visual and the kinesthetic. So in a moment, we'll go into the kinesthetic. But the auditory folks, they'll use words like if, if you're showing them a house, for example, to go back to the real estate, they'll use words like um, – Let's say that the house might be a, a little too close to a school, and even though it is a gorgeous view right there on the ocean, they might not speak about the view right away. They'll speak about, you know, we don't have kids yet, and uh, recess every day, the bell and the kids, we work from home. I'm not sure that this is going to work. So they'll actually start pointing out things that the other categories might have not noticed necessarily um, about that house. They'll use predicates like, oh, it sounds good, or it doesn't sound good. Um, they'll use thing, expressions like, I heard voices, or hidden message, or hold your tongue, um, loud and clear, um, power of speech, it rings a bell, you know, it's um, tongue-tied. These are all expressions, word for word, that the auditory people, I'll call on you, a clue. You know that they'll they'll use. Uh, I got an earful from my mother or whatever it is. They'll they'll use again. We're all speaking English, but they're using these predicates specifically because of their representational huh. system being primary auditory. Wow, that is so it's just amazing. <laughs> okay, yeah, so. it'll be it'll be curious to see when you um when you go through the test through the PDF to see which one. Uh, your intuition is telling you you are, but so far it's like, oh, yeah, I do that, oh, yeah, I do that, on both of them, right? And then the other two that we're about right. to discuss. The key when you guys take that test out there is really to see which is your primary one so that you can start practicing the other three 
and therefore be that much more effective in your sales and in your business and your personal interactions and so on. Because what happens when we find out which our primary one is, is we realize that we're basically teaching, reading, remembering, speaking, pretty much all in that one. Like if we're right-handed, we're right-handed. If we're left-handed, we're left-handed. And that's the primary one. And, and the point of learning all these, as fascinating as it is, is to actually expand to the other three, therefore bringing your effectiveness of communication from, you know, literally 25%, that one that's your primary one, to 100% by incorporating the other three. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And that's, I know that that's one of the most helpful things with the study of personalities or anything is you become aware that you're very mm-hmm. limited in your perspective, and any any kind of increase that we can do there helps so much. Yeah, and I'll give you a very very simple way. Once we're done with all four, um, to start practicing, you know, heck, even at Starbucks this afternoon, or later on in a you know an interaction at a networking event, or maybe tomorrow with family and so on uh, at work and coworkers. There is a very simple simple way to start practicing it, um, cool. and then. Uh, and becoming that much more effective. The kinesthetic, so kinesthetic people typically tend to breathe from the bottom of their lungs. So you'll see oftentimes their stomach going in and out. Kinesthetic folks, for example, a lot of our yoga teachers and so on tend to be um, kinesthetic. They do things more slowly than a visual person who seems to be moving at a 1,000 miles an hour. Um, they have a deeper voice. They tend to speak um when they speak, there there's long pauses between statements, and they process things that are said to them to determine the feelings that they get. So they'll they'll move slowly, even in their thinking and their speaking, not just their bodies. Um, they respond well to touch and physical rewards. They use few hand gestures, and generally they stand closer to the person that they're talking with. And they will use predicates such as, oh, I want to get a handle on it or a firm foundation. And, and they'll be able to access their emotions more readily. And on a, on a sales transaction, the visual person, it needs to look good. For the auditory person, it needs to sound good. For the, for the kinesthetic folks, it needs to feel good. They might see the house that they're, you know, interested in purchasing. But if they don't get a good vibe from the house, even though it might have a great view, close or not close to the school, and, you know, great bedrooms and so on. If they don't have a good vibe about it, they may not, um, they usually don't go for it. And for those of us who are not kinesthetic, we're just wondering, well, but if it looks good and it sounds good and it makes sense, what the heck does that have anything to do with how you feel about it or not? You know, like everything's on paper, but for a primary, you know, buying decision, our representational system is key. Um, for example, my sister and I were uh, looking at uh, catalog orders, and I was ready to order a few things because I'm a very visual uh, slash auditory digital, and we'll go into what that second one is. But, you know, as long as things look good to me and it's a good deal, I'll order it. I'll order, you know, a couple of different sizes and then keep the ones that fit and return the other ones. And for her... She doesn't like to do catalog shopping and things like that because she's very kinesthetic. The kinesthetic folks need to touch things. So for her, it's like if she can't touch the sweater, why would she order it? I'm like, well, you can touch it when you get here. And then if you don't like it, you're turning like, nah. You know, so there's, there's different people, different buying styles, and, and the representational systems impact that for sure. Um, 
they'll uh, physically the kinesthetic folks tend to be more solid looking. Generally, their hands are larger, um, chunkier, so they can get to grips with things. Um, they're interested in how you feel and memorize uh, by walking through the process or actually doing the process. And their handwriting is more rounded. It's likely that they'll push more firmly on the page, so they'll actually press through uh, more so than the visual or the auditory. And kinesthetic folks, you know, they'll, they'll use expressions like come to grip with or cool, calm, and collected, get a handle of, get a hold of, get in touch with, um, hand in hand or hang in there or hold on. Um, it feels good or it doesn't feel good. I have a good feeling about it or not. Uh, they might say, you know, pull some strings, um, start from scratch. Um, they'll sharp as a tag. They'll they'll use things that are very kinesthetically, you know, like the the words are very uh, similar to grabbing, holding, touching, you know, something physically there. So if they look at a house, the visual person like, wow, it looks really good, and they'll start looking at all the things that are beautifully pleasing about the house, um, the first instinct. And they'll look at the other ones as well. The auditory folks, they'll start paying attention to how close is it to the freeway or not, can we hear the freeway, and so on in the schools. The kinesthetic folks, they'll, they'll get a vibe about the house. You know, it might be a beautiful garden, it might be beautifully located, and so on. But especially if they get a good vibe about the house, like, wow, you know. The windows might be a little bit run down, but we can always, you know, fix it with the windows. I have a really good feeling about this one. So they'll they'll go with it, or vice versa, they may not. Um, anything, do you recognize so far yourself into either of the three? or? Um, well, I I definitely am visual. I can I can see that I'm I'm very visual. I use words like you know look up more than you look around. Focus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, those are those are words that I always use all the time. Uh, the scoring I came out highest on auditory, which is of course I'm hosting a radio talk show. <laughs> Not surprised. I guess there must be something there. <laughs> so, but I came out I came out highest on auditory, and then I was second. I was a tie on visual and kinesthetic. I loved when talking about uh, kinesthetic. What's really fun to me is I don't think, I don't know if I would have like jumped to the uh, conclusion that they're looking for their feelings, not just externally. They're looking for their internal vibes for and sure. feelings as well. Uh, that 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 is a person who's aware of not only coldness on their skin, but coldness in their heart, and <laughs> you know that they for can sure. feel they can. They can feel things quite differently than other people. Uh, that, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm loving I'm loving this whole thing. I'm taking just pages of notes here. Um, very very intriguing to me that we say it with our mouth. That that mm-hmm. we actually verbalize in our um, what do you call these modalities? Uh, that we verbalize yeah. in in our own modalities, and so it makes it quite easy actually too. Um, yes, 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 and, and um, in the yeah, the, exactly. And then the exercise that I'm going to give you to practice in a little bit, depending on you know which one might be your primary one and which one are the ones you want to stretch on, will be really, really practical and easy. Um, the the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic are you know are all parts of us. It'll be interesting to see which one's the primary one, and again, then how can we 
increase um, the quality of you know, effectiveness for the other three. Now, the AD, the auditory digital, this is the, the smallest minority. The auditory digital person would likely manifest characteristics of the other three representational systems, and in addition, they will talk to themselves a lot, and they like to make thing, sense of things and understand them. Uh, they place a high value on logic, and also they like detail. So the AD folks are the ones that seem very heady, um, logical. They'll use words which are abstract with no direct sensory link. So they'll use predicates like, I understand your motivation, or that computes with me, or that makes sense. They'll use you know, all these words that are very um, logical, consider this. Um, experience, distinct, step-by-step, uh, step, motivate, perceive, I sense, I suppose, I think you're right, instead of like, well, I can feel that you're right, or it sounds like you're right, you know, like, oh, I can see that you're right, that you're right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, they'll, they'll perceive truth, or I need to process this, or I need to learn about this, and They'll they'll want to focus on details, or I understand, or I don't understand. I want to get to know them, or give me your opinion. And you know, so they'll use does that make sense instead of does that look good? Does that feel right? So they'll use that um, the making sense, the the computing aspect of it, the very logical aspect of of um, communication. And as a result um, of their emotion being attached to the words. Um, that they're using to describe, they often feel, they come across less emotionally attached. To outcome, there is a double dissociation that happens because not only we're talking, most of us are talking in our heads about whatever's happening, but the A. Well, I think we have lost Tina for just a moment. Hopefully she's going to be able to call back in, and I'm not sure why. The um, system dropped her. So she was right in the middle of talking to us about auditory digital. If you're listening and wondering how to find out more about who we're having as our guest today, uh, her website is www.pinaderosa.com, P-I-N-A-D-E-R-O-S-A.com. And it looks like um, we're able to get her back here. Hi, Pina. Yeah. Are you back? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, I got a little interview uh, that said, uh, blog, talk, radio. Fantastic. I loved hearing that. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're leaving now. Okay. We're back on. All right. well, you were ta- the last thing I heard was you were talking about um, the auditory digital and less emotionally attached. They seem a little less emotionally yeah, attached. Most of us, um, the, the AD folks, because they tend to be so logical, they come across as less emotionally attached. It doesn't mean they're less emotionally involved. But here's what happens. In our brains, usually most of us, all of us, have voices in our heads, whether we're aware of them or not. Things come to us, and then we'll start processing them. Now, the auditory digital folks, not only things come to us and we start processing them, but now we're making sense of what's being processed. It's like we're twice removed from that experience of reality, and we seem a little bit aloof. When people are talking to us, sometimes they'll wave their hand in front of our eyes and like, hello, Earth subpoena, you know, because we're in our head about being in our head and processing things about what the experience just happened. So we seem that that twice removed, you know, that double dissociation, we seem distant in the conversation, but we're actually processing the conversation. 
So it's not that the AD folks are, are checking out. It's just how we process reality. We'll talk a lot to ourselves about the experience of what's going on um, more so than, you know, the voices in the heads of the visual, auditory, and kinesthetic folks. So when we come back <laughs> then from, you know, the, all the processing that was going on, then we can actually share based on the details, the understanding, and everything that we've made sense of what we feel the, the results or the best answer might be. Say, for example, you're, if you're in a meeting and uh, the auditory digital person, you know, is deciding, okay, is the house worth buying or not, like in a, in a buying strategy, and it could be a house, it could be anything, they'll look at if things make sense on paper. You know, the first time that my mom saw the house that I've been living in now for almost 10 years, um, she saw it in a completely different way than I did. You know, I saw, okay, here we need to have some bay windows and here we need to rip up the carpets and put the pretty floors. Like I was all into the visual stuff. She came in and was like, ah, the distribution of the volume of the house is fantastic because you've got one bedroom at this opposite side of the end and the bathroom on the other opposite side. <laughs> and this one, we could take these walls down and make one walk and go. So all these logical things that she saw that I wouldn't have seen that were there anyways, that having a visual person and an auditory digital person seeing the same property, it came out like that much richer. And uh, for the auditory digital, we'll look at if things make sense and it makes sense on paper, we'll go for it, we'll purchase it, we'll we'll make the investment, we'll spend the time and so on. And if, if things look good and they sound good and they uh, they feel good, that's an extra bonus. Because for the AD person, things might look good on paper, they might sound good ideally, and they might feel good, but if it doesn't make sense, they're not going to sign on the dotted line. And the other wow. way around as well, you know, if things, for example, for those of us who are visual, if things sound good, they feel good, and they make sense, but it doesn't look good, <laughs> we're just not going to go for it. You know, there's got to be huh. a tweak around it. Or, you know, and so you've got you've got three out of four, like for the kinesthetic person, if it looks good, it sounds good, and it makes sense, but they don't have a good vibe about it, they're still not going to do it. So huh. it's interesting to see which is our primary one because that's the decision-buying factor. And so imagine that if you're a real estate guy out there who is selling homes, you might be giving all the features of the home, but if the person is not an AD person, they're more kinesthetic or they're more visual, then the features of the house it's kind of secondary to them. So one of my clients who happens to be a real estate guy, the way that he's been using this information, and then he calls it Jedi communication because it raised his sales by like 30%, is he simply asks his prospect after showing them the house, so what do you think about the house? And then imaginary duct tape on their lips, on his lips, <laughs> I should say, and then hearing what they say. And if they go into the view or if they go into, you know, how the arch and the crown molding, you know, then you'll feel that they're more into the visual. If they'll go into how close the freeware or the school might be, then he'll go more into addressing the auditory and speaking the sale of the house and the value of the house into that representational system. Uh, like I said, when I went to China a couple of years ago and I learned a few words of Chinese, you know, please, thank you, chicken, uh, salad, you know, like uh, all those uh, hello and goodbyes, it allows me to be that much more effective and, and friendly when I communicate with them and especially knowing what it is that I'm ordering or not ordering 
in a restaurant, um, you know, if we're vegetarians and we want to make sure we don't order something, it's, it's important. You know, so there's a sense that's called just communication, especially when we go and we say hello and thank you and goodbye. That's a friendly way of communicating in the native language, the, the language of the country, versus expecting that they would speak our own. Uh, so the same courtesy, you know, when we learn the effectiveness of communication in the three representational system, it's as if now we can speak the language of our prospect and being able to be of service to them instead of, you know, possibly not uh, closing a particular sale, which might have been a really great benefit and advantage to them simply because we were speaking features that were not of interest to them, uh, but features that, you know, were simply on the flyer. So the kinesthetic folks, you know, if he, if my client would have said, you know, what do you think about the house? And the kinesthetic was like, ah, I don't have a good vibe about it. If he would have gone overlooking that and saying, yeah, but look, you know, there's the closets and it's close to the freeway and the school, like that sale is not going to go anywhere. You know, in that case, he would say, great, I have uh, another one that probably you'll get a, a better vibe about it. And for the auditory digital, it makes no sense whatsoever that we could base a sale on a good vibe or a not good vibe. Because if it looks good, it sounds right. good, and it makes sense, why in the world wouldn't we get this? But if they don't get a good vibe about it, the kinesthetic folks are not going to move forward with it. So rather than forcing it or rather than trying to understand what just happened in that marketing meeting with Joe and Jimmy, we're going at it in two different angles. By being able to see this, it's almost like you pull the telescope lens back a little bit. And now you can see from the perspective of what well, Zimmy was more kinesthetic and Joe was more auditory digital, so they were coming at it from different angles. But if we pull it back and address the whole project or address the whole, you know, family reunion conversation or whatever it is that we're addressing, then we can be that much more effective in Jimmy's world and Joe's world and who you know, whoever it is that we're looking there to, to be of service to and to communicate communicate effectively with. I just think also just in your own home with your spouse or your kids or whatever, mm -hmm. it, it would just be so helpful to know. Well, I, I just heard a, in my own mind when you were talking, I heard a, a, a little battle begin between a husband and wife when she says, mm -hmm. you know, it just doesn't feel good. And he's like, but honey, you know, it's right in the it's right in the price range. We need a yeah. location. We need it's got all the features. We need. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you exactly. can just feel that, feel that argument coming on when actually um, – there's there's good information that both partners are bringing to the table. They're seeing it from a different perspective, and they're really bringing a lot of value in in what they can pick up and what they can yeah, share it's if, if they take the time to listen. Exactly. It's completely our own special language of our experience of what is coming across at us. So when we are aware of these four, and when you take the test, you'll find out which one is your primary one like you did, Marnie, then the next step will be to then start practicing the other three because it's not like you're going to run around with this little representational system test. It only takes five minutes to do it, but, you know, you're not going to give it to your prospective buyers or your, <laughs> your spouse and things. By the way, uh, could you take this real quick? You know, so, so it's more, uh, in, this case, in this case, practical to do the test for yourself See which is your primary one, and it's fine if you do the test, you know, on a Friday and it's, the results are good for that Friday and maybe, you know, three months later you change your mind and you evolve and you grow and so on. So it's not like 
the test is the end-all be-all because oftentimes the auditory digital folks will try to do the test right and I don't know and they're still <laughs> AD that they can't actually finish the test because I don't know if that was two or was it a three and it's like just just go with how it is for today for this moment and it's okay if it changes tomorrow you know you can download it again and do it again um and then the the main key is then find out what the other three are that are your your lowest ones and start practicing them. And there's a very simple way to practice them. So say, for example, your highest number like you is visual. Uh, mine is actually a synesthesia of visual and auditory digital when the two numbers are the same in those two representational systems is called a synesthesia. So for me, a buying decision, like, for example, catalog shopping is perfect. Because things look good. If they're on sale, there's free shipping, I'm good to go. You know, it's like boom, 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 all the bullets are hit, it looks pretty, and then whatever makes sense for me to keep, I'll keep, and whatever doesn't look good, I'll send back. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. the, the key point is finding out the, the three lower ones and then start listening. You know, you'll, you'll go out there, you know, for a, a networking event or, you know, it might be church on Sunday. And just start listening for the other three. And maybe you pick one for the week. So maybe you'll pick, you'll pick kinesthetic. Okay, so for this week, how am I hearing the different predicates, different expressions of the kinesthetic folks? Where do I hear them? Let's see if we can have them pop up almost like a highlighted, bolded, um, numbers, uh, sorry, words that we can start hearing because, as I mentioned, with all those different languages that I speak, the commonality in them, whether they're Germanic languages, Latin languages, or Slavic or whatever, the first thing is to start hearing it. Then we can speak it. So start, you know, choose one week, pick one, and start hearing it in all different parts of your life. Maybe you're commuting back home and you'll hear these different um, expressions if you're focusing on kinesthetic for the week or if you're focusing on auditory for the week, how the radio show host is using those. Because sometimes as a speaker even, you know, we'll say, does it look good? Are you with me? Um, how do you feel about this? Does it make sense? And it's good actually as a speaker, and you'll notice it maybe with, with radio show hosts, that they cycle through all four because you're not going to be able to pull your audience, even though I gave you the statistics at the beginning that 60% are visual and the other 40% are divided up between the auditory, kinesthetic, and ADs. So it's, it's important to bear that statistic in mind. But it's also important to have uh, circulate through all four because that way as a speaker you can reach 100% of your audience. So if I'm asking you, okay, are you with me, which is a more of a kinesthetic one, then the next question I may ask, they're like, does it sound good? Everybody resonate? Okay, good. And then we'll move forward. It's like, how did it look? Everybody with me? Now imagine this. So I'll start using predicates that I'll circulate regularly through all four representational systems, whether I'm teaching, you know, quantum communication, whether I'm teaching, you know, it doesn't matter, personal effectiveness or scheduling or budgeting, the, the topic is irrelevant. You know, the, the, you could be teaching your kids how to brush their teeth. The topic in and of itself is irrelevant, is making sure that we cycle through all four when we're not sure what the representational system might be of our um, of our audience so that then we can make sure to increase our, our communication from 25% to 100% effectiveness because we include all four. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Yeah, it does. And then when, when you're... 
Go ahead. I want. I was thinking about. I was thinking about YouTube actually, um, mm-hmm. the craze of YouTube, and mm-hmm. thinking about obviously with sixty percent of the population uh, mm-hmm. visual, that works perfect. And then of course it, it has visual and auditory, um, sure. right there with it. Uh, kinesthetic, then you can see the ones that go viral. They actually they actually trigger some kind of an emotion. They they yes. don't. They're not just a flap. <laughs> they're yeah. not your flat infomercial. <laughs> For they, sure. They actually have some kind of emotion that they're triggering, so that's where you get the kinesthetic in. How about for the auditory digital? Is there something in the keywords that them? I'd say? Um, oh, keywords, they, of course. <laughs> keywords, you know, all your SEO stuff, the AD folks, like, woo, we love it. Um, and also for auditory digital, it's important, for example, um, if the video has a lot of comments, you know, you'll see bullet, 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 uh, the mm. name of the video. And um, sometimes, for example, as an auditory digital, because for me it's visual and AD, as an AD person, it drives me nuts when I don't know how long the video is because I don't know sure. all if I'm there for two details. minutes. You know? <laughs> so I need to yeah. know that information. Mm-hmm. If it's like 222, then great, I can spend two minutes on this. Uh, but right. if the thing starts or the advertisement starts and I and I don't know, um, I don't, you know, right. unless the first seven seconds are really good, it might not grab me. And, and it might have been perfect right. for me, but I'll, I'll need to have some of the statistics. So it's great that YouTube has uh-huh. all their videos, that 222 or 14 or whatever it is, right. so that we can uh-huh. measure, okay, is this the right time for me to watch this or do I need to come back to it and so on. A plus keyword. And then keywords, it's great if you are uh, looking to go viral to include um, all four and just rotate all four. It doesn't mean you need to reinvent the wheel. You know, one of my favorite business mentors uh, gave me the opportunity to go through his website and actually look at, because he's very AD and he's a brilliant guy, so I thought it was what a great opportunity to be able to give back to someone who had contributed so much to my business. And I tweaked around a few of the things, like he had a lot of step-by-step and exact and precise, you know, all these words that are very AD. Um, And he had very few pictures, so I added, I suggested a couple pictures, but then I also said, okay, instead of think about this, I would say, well, imagine this, you know, just tweaking the thoracalize sure. just a couple of words so that then the website could flow for the visual, the auditory, the kinesthetic, and the ideas. You can go through your own and just scan through it or like the exercise I gave you earlier where you go out there, you listen to for a week to all the kinesthetic expressions that are being put out there. And then maybe the following week, you know, you'll use this as a month exercise. And the following week, you'll start listening for all the auditory. And it's funny because people really speak like that, but we rarely hear it because it's not our primary primary language. So when we start hearing for it or listening for it, then we'll start noticing that it's actually everywhere. And, And then the final step to it will be to integrate all four. But the first step is really to listen for one, listen for the other, listen for the third one, seeing how people are expressing it or where they're using it, if it makes sense, how often, and so on, and then starting to practice it, uh, especially as a host like you or as a speaker, as I'm sure there's many out there, or even as a mom. You know, you might have three boys and run a whole household. 
you know, just to be able to speak to the three boys in ways that are efficient to them as far as, you know, possibly clean clean their rooms because maybe the little ones are more, you know, step by step. You put the truck in this one and then you put that one in versus the other little boy might be more just kind of all the colors need to put, be put together, all the yellow ones go here and all the green ones go there, you know, so you'll be able to get that much more effective with how it is in their world. And that's, you know, what communication is, is being able to be effective with the person in that world. Now, if we were to begin to do this um, exercise, how long do you typically have to, you with much experience, how long do you, Pina, have to listen to a person before you start hearing some of these words come out in their conversation? For me, it's now automatic because I've been, you know, breathing and living this for so long. Um, I remember when I first, because I've been a speaker for a little bit over 12 years now, and I I used to have, you know, sometimes my manuals or whatever, projections and so on. And then when I learned neurolinguistics, which was about maybe five years ago that I did a special uh, certification around it, I was like, huh. So I rewent through all my manuals, and being a visual person, I started putting pictures in it to make sure that I would um, rotate the questions that I would ask through visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and auditory digital predicates and expressions. So at first I needed to actually put it in my manual as a reminder so that I wouldn't just go, okay, everybody with me, do you understand, and then keep moving because I may not say, how's everybody feeling or how does it sound because those two are Uh not my primary ones. So it took me a while to actually integrate them, and I had to integrate them visually, so I had to use one with the other, kind of like a movie inside the movie. And then having had, you know, presented those talks uh, enough times, it's now pretty automatic, and I'll be still pretty cognizant to make sure that I'm still integrating all four when, when doing an interview like this, for example, so that we can catch 100% 100% of your audience and making sure to be of service to 100% and not leaving somebody behind just because we're not speaking their language. But I would say, you know, spend a week on one, a week on the other one, just as you go out and about in life, you know, at the supermarkets and so on, um, at work in the elevators with the security guards, the parking lot attendant, the banks, wherever it is, and then start speaking it. And it might feel really funny to speak that English. When I do this presentation live, at networking events. I did one for Microsoft um, just a few weeks ago, and we broke it down after introducing the topic to a 20-minute networking using what they had just learned and then come back and regroup and do another practice. And a few of them, they said, it was so hard to speak English because these are not words I use. <laughs> you know, they would have their uh-huh. exercise. But right. They go out there and use the one that's least um, oh, Okay. Automatic for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't speak like that, but it is English. But I don't say, "Are you with me?" or "Do you follow me?" I don't usually say, "Does that make sense?" And it's weird not to use that and to start using the other ones. But if we want to be that much more effective with others, it's good to speak their language as well. You know. I love um, I love the example that you gave earlier too of the sales rep who, after doing part of the presentation, would say, "Well, what do you think about?" Uh, what do you think about such and such, um, and then listen. So I was thinking, you know, if someone isn't becoming obvious for you in a short period of time and you're just so curious, 
you know, which of these four they are, you could you could actually ask a leading question to help get to that information as well. Yes, 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 yes. And then, yeah. and then speaking into that reality, so it's as if you just ask someone, what's your native tongue? And they'll say Chinese, or they'll say French, or they'll say German, and then you speak right. a few words of Chinese or German or French. That's effective as communication. So it's not so much about trying to guess them, but it's really more about being of service, trying to serve them, reach them. Um, and, again, if they don't have a good feeling about that house, don't try to sell all the features and so on. There's, you know, just addressing what that is and then possibly moving on either to the next house or, you know, just uh, honoring that the representational system is how they process reality and it's just as real to them um, as it is for you. It's just in a different world. And when we get into yeah. somebody's world, then we can really serve them to the best of our ability. So hopefully, yeah. you know, well, it's practical, hands-on, and immediately impactful. You can take it away and, and run with it this afternoon. And let me know how it goes. You know, if anybody has questions about the representational system test and how it comes out, or you know, if you learn something and then you're like, hmm, okay, now what about this? You know, I'm always open to to questions and you know, serving. Well, and you actually. You actually offer an amazing, uh, an amazing um, one-hour complimentary personalized one-on-one strategy session that mm-hmm. will help people um, just get get going, or else answer specific questions. And this is for anybody who, like, it may be a successful entrepreneur or business owner, mm-hmm. or, um, just someone starting out, or someone who's in sales, or someone who is just trying to understand. Um, how to better communicate to get unstuck. And you even go so far as to say that you help people through communication, you help people to live up to their potential. Um, and, yeah, because and sometimes do, oh. it's not just the conscious one, but then it goes into the subconscious. So it's like another yeah. layer of it. You know, so there's, this is just very little that we went through that's very conscious, but sometimes it goes subconsciously, like our communication with ourselves or our own self-sabotage patterns that we keep repeating even though they don't serve us and we're wondering why. That's communication. It's just internal communication, so we want to get to the source and the bottom of that um, to be that much more effective. Very, yeah, and, and you are offering a free one-hour session with you, which is amazing, you guys. Um, this is the personal coaching for an hour with someone at um, Pina's level of expertise is usually, you know, several hundred dollars, if not more than mm-hmm. that, or else simply not available. So this offer is amazing. She has a, just a simple form that you fill out. It's over at PinaDeRosa.com, and you can go ahead and apply for that. Now, Pina, you don't you don't just say yes to everybody who applies. You yeah. you have some you have some. Um, structure in there, but if you think yeah. that what Pina teaches is something that could be helpful to you, I encourage you to just go over and stick the application in it. It just takes a few minutes, and even, uh, I even think just doing the process of the application itself can be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it forces yeah. us to focus or it gets us to sit down and get clarity, and then um, once we get clarity, even, you know, one of my favorite teachers like to say a problem well stated is a problem half solved. So even if we don't have the solution, yeah. oftentimes people will reach out to me because they don't have the solution to something. But to sit down and, and start looking at it, it will get us closer to the solution. And then together we can actually get into action because it's designed to make sure you're in action by the top of the hour. So definitely. Uh, Absolutely. Not cool. for the faint of heart. Well, <laughs> 
you want to head over there and check out um, uh, Pina's site at pinaderosa.com. Thank you so much for being here, Pina. What a what a wonderful hour of jam packed with information well, and good, good learning for us. Thank you, I and everybody. Thank invite. you for good, and everybody. Thank you for being here. We'll see you again next time, and I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and uh, go thank out you, there everybody. and figure out how people are how people are communicating. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. Bye.